much. Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. And um, now being joined by Jacob Unruh uh, from the Oklahoman. And, uh, Jacob, we're hours away. We're less than four hours away from tip-off. How do you like these uh, late-night tip-offs? That, I'm, sure that's, uh, I'm sure you really appreciate that on deadline. Do the, does the Oklahoman, do they hold deadline for these things, or do, you, do they just show up online? How do you guys handle that? Yeah, our our, uh, our deadlines are about right about now. So no, we don't hold uh, for these anymore. So um, you know, so the the only the only downside is the late night for me is you know I live in Oklahoma City, so it's a little bit of a drive. And so um, you know, it's it's a late night, but uh, it's all right. I enjoy games no matter what time of day it is. So. Well, that's a good answer, and uh, I, I tell you, the uh, what, what about these buildings that are showing up on campus? Uh, Oklahoma State making um, a big announcement today, and uh, I always like it when it's like, okay, here's our vision. Uh, here's about seven different things we'd like to do, and oh, by the way, we don't have any money for this. We'll just kind of build this as the donations come in. I guess with T. Boone Pickens, the late great, you know, he just kind of supplied most of the funding for a lot of this. This is a different time for Oklahoma State. It's kind of like, okay, here's our vision. Now let's go do it and raise money. And now they're not the only school that does that. But it is interesting because they've honored T. Boone Pickens, the legacy of, of him. But they also kind of now have to do it in a little bit different fashion, don't they? Yeah, you know, it is, it is a different approach for them. Um, but they are they're intent on not going into debt. So they're not going to just fund it themselves and, and, and hope for the best, you know? And uh, I think it's more of a, they were talking to, to donors already and they thought, you know, what, let's go put the vision out there and see if we get more people on board and kind of go from there. But also I think it's a, you know, an arms race deal here. Here's the idea that, you know, Texas OU are both leaving the big 12 OSU sees a chance to say, <clears throat> we have the best facilities the new state-of-the-art stuff um, that could put them at the forefront of the Big 12. And so they're, they're really going out there trying to make that statement, make it happen. And, you know, when you think about it, like they've got a brand-new tennis center already, um, brand-new soccer stadium for the women's team already, and they got the new baseball stadium that opened just a couple seasons ago. And so they've got facilities elsewhere they've already had the funding for that they didn't go any kind of debt for, got the funding for that. So now – there are a lot of other people to step up and believe they can. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of this stuff starts popping in because there's been talk for a while of a new softball stadium. And that's one of the biggest needs. Um, Cause as good as that softball program is, the stadium is incredibly outdated. And so that's one of the things I expect to kind of move possibly pretty quickly if they can get the right donors and stuff behind that, because uh, that's, that's something they desperately need. And so, um, but I, I get the idea of like, Whoa, they're asking for a lot of money here, but um, I also don't blame him for getting that vision out there because as Chad Weiberg said he didn't want to start leaking. They're talking to people about this and plans are out there. Just go ahead and be open on and say, this is what they're trying to do. All right. I saw the wrestling. They'd done a uh, nice locker room and they were going to add a little bit to that. 
Um, it, it, it does look like be- some of the performance. I love Gundy on there. First of all, Gundy didn't <laughs> shave. He had kind of a white stubble going. And then I, I thought to myself, I bet Mike sounded, you know, somewhat enthusiastic. He's not the most, you know, it's, I don't know if he's the perfect guy for a promo video, but I did love hearing him talk about, like, the medical stuff. I felt like he had to be maybe coached up on that a little bit, but he did seem to be, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say excited is the word, but he, you know, he 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 did his part. I, we should say. I, I'm trying to think who was the most enthusiastic in that video. Maybe the uh, uh, Hunziker, the uh, the the yeah. the, <laughs> the voice of the of the Pokes was the one most excited. Yeah, you know, I think you know Gundy always knows. Is uh, it's hard to sometimes tell when he's pretty fired up, but I think he's 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 on board with this. And, okay. Um, you, you you can see some enthusiasm there a little bit, I think. Right. Um, he, he keeps it pretty close. But, yeah, I think Hunziker, obviously, I mean, they're all fired up around there because they've started to say, you know, we started getting word on uh, what, Saturday that, hey, something big's coming Monday. And everyone was so excited. Wouldn't say what it was. Wouldn't say what it was. But you could just feel the excitement. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, like it's not personnel related. We'll tell you that. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's right. not to worry about someone getting fired, I guess. But, you know, it was just like. You know, you could just see this excitement. So I guess, okay. you know, that's they kind of just carried around there. So. All right. I wanted you to be very highly critical of some of the renderings and just say you don't like some of the flourishes, the architecture. Jacob, I want you to really stir it up on that. Jacob Unruh joining us on the Matt Mosley Show from the Oklahoman, covers Oklahoma State. Now, this is a huge game, well, really for both teams, but Baylor's pretty secure in their tournament standing. They'd like to get better, but uh, for Oklahoma State, and, you know, they're just kind of barely hanging on the bubble. So this is a really, really big game. And then uh, when you're on the bubble, Jacob, you spend half your life reading these bracketology things or or palm from, you know, a CBS. And, and so... In mm-hmm. some ways, it's fun. In some ways, it's kind of mind-numbing because every other day you're checking to see, okay, where are the pokes now? Um, it did I, – I was seeing your tweet earlier. It looks like Oklahoma State's kind of barely hanging on, and some people would have you all playing like – I saw one thing where it might be West Virginia <laughs> in Dayton. <laughs> I think we could avoid that, couldn't we? We've already yeah, seen yeah, that. Yeah, I think OSU might protest on that. They, <laughs> they, they played that game twice. We had to play it again in, in uh, yeah. Kansas City for all we know, you know? And so yeah. I just – I don't think that – I think I think the tournament – I think the committee would, would avoid a Big 12 matchup in the first round uh, myself. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not a projection expert by any means. I've ever seen that, and I thought, yeah, that's not – that's there's no way that's happening, right? Like, there's just no way. But, I mean – I guess you can get crazy if you want, but that's no fun. Because I, I think if OSU gets in, I'm interested to see what they do because they're not playing West Virginia. They're not playing Baylor. They're not yeah. playing Texas. You know, like they're, you know, all of a sudden now they can play teams that they might be way better than all of a sudden because of the Big 12 and how good it is. So, yeah, they're, they're hanging on. I just, I, I just, you know, it, it's been kind of a, a, a roller coaster again with this team. And, as I was telling someone earlier, injuries are a big part. You lose Musa, Cisse for a good chunk of the early Big 12 schedule. Um, get him back, get going, start getting things right. Uh, Avery Anderson goes down. They win a couple of games without mm. Avery, um, but then now it's really started to show 
they don't have Avery out there. He's their best one-on-one ball defender, um, their most athletic guard, and it's really starting to show on both ends. When they've played well, other than being really good on defense, what are they doing um, even without Avery? What what are they doing? And, and why do you think Caleb Boone has been so hit or miss? I mean, the other night, I think in a losing effort, he ended up with, uh, I think it was 18 points. And they really need him to be a scorer, but quite honestly, they don't know what they're going to get game in, game out because of the foul trouble and other things. What What is it with Caleb? Because obviously he's a great guy and saw a great story that you wrote about him. That he's a you know he's had a, a interesting life, but as as a player, what what is the inconsistency? What are the main issues there? Um, you know, I think it was kind of. In, in, in a bad back-to-back form in a way because um, he's a guy, yeah, he's he's 6'9". He's incredibly skilled, such as his footwork down the low post, <clears throat> dynamic score down there, but he's not a big 6'9". He's skinny, you know, he, and he doesn't shoot outside. So he has to go down there and try to go against these big guys. And when you look at those two games last week where he got in foul trouble and hardly played, it was against Eddie Lampkin, who's massive human being. Yeah. And – and Jimmy Bell at West Virginia, who's a rather large individual himself, guys that Caleb just gets in foul trouble trying to get physical with, and and he get you know that he doesn't when he goes against a, an OU with Tanner Groves or guys like that, he's much more able to go skill with them because he doesn't yeah. have to necessarily body him up as much, and so that's what led to those issues the last couple of games. Um, but they feel like they get more; he's more consistent this year. He really has been. I mean, he's been. The guy, especially when they were red hot, was just carrying them because he was playing out of his mind and scoring 27 points here, 22 points there, just totally taking over. And when he does that, this team clicks because they they generally run the ball through him the first play of the game to see how the defense is going to play him. Are they going to double? You know, they're going to help. What are they doing here? What you know? What's what's the scenario here? And he reads it, and then they kind of adjust from there and go and, and figure things out. And so. Um, you usually can tell early how involved Caleb will be, and they get him involved, and he's kind of the energy guy at this point. They feed off of him and uh, and everything. And so when everything was going right, you had him down low, and he kicks out. They had they put Woody Newton in the lineup when Musa got hurt, and it spread the floor out because Woody's that stretch four guy, and it spread the floor out and allowed them to kind of go to through Caleb to let him see how things are, kick out to some guys. Avery could drive and kick out and. Um, Bryce is doing a little bit of that now, but it's Bryce Thompson. So it's kind of, it's kind of just a matter if you can get the ball, the, the ball spread out, get the floor spread, get guys to hit some shots to help Caleb inside. And that's kind of when they start clicking. You know, I want Boynton to get in after last season's weirdness and oh, the yeah. probation and all that. He, he's just a, he seems like an easy guy to uh, root for. What's he like to work with? on a day-to-day basis, and I know y'all the media availability two or three times a week. Um, is he as engaging in that way as he kind of seems publicly at least? Is he Does he play it pretty close to the vest? What is uh, what is his personality like in, in, in those type of settings? Uh, I, my wife would get a kick out of this question because she knows how much I respect and, and, and really like Mike Boynton um, because he is – he's the he's, – he's no different – publicly than he is in the media sessions with us. Like he's, he's honest, he's engaging. Um, he's funny. <clears throat> he's, he doesn't, he doesn't take anything personal. If you ask him a question, that's a little tough. 
they're a tough question. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't take it personal. Um, you know, he understands the job. He knows how to, to really get to know people. Um, he's just a genuine guy that, that it is easy to root for him. And that's part of the reason he's adored around OSU so much is because he does build up the fan base and connect the fan base with the players and the program and, and doing all this stuff, doing this stuff the right way. Um, but he'll be the first to admit too, he's got to win games. Um, and that's, what's been frustrating for him is that he's got the talent this year to go win games. And it's been up and down the injuries, like I said, didn't help. Um, but I think he's grown as a coach too. I think he's really improved because you got to consider he was hired at 35 years old as a first time head coach in the big 12. And like that's, that's a learning curve that most people never get. And, you know, you've got to go and coach against Bill Self and Bob Huggins and, you know, and guys like that, just Hall of Fame guys all the time, Scott Drew down there in Waco, like just these guys that are so veteran and have won a ton of games and Final Fours and national titles, and he's learning on the fly against those guys. So I've, I've seen a lot of growth this year. You know, if you look at the first game at Texas or at Kansas, he had a lot of great coaching moments in that game. They ended up losing by one late. Um, didn't get a didn't get a foul call late on a on an inbounds play that he drew up that was a masterful play that that uh, could have won in the game. And he's just shown improvements in various areas that you're like, okay, this guy's really starting to figure it out here. And so I think that's a positive sign. But the wins just have got to start coming. Yeah, and by the way, love that uh, women's coach J.C. Hoyt. Wow, you yeah. know I. I that that's when you really do your homework. You got to credit the AD and those people out there for going to. I mean, you know, you make a hire of somebody from where was that? Kansas City, Missouri, UMKC, yeah. however you yeah, say UMKC, that. UMKC, yep. Yeah, and and you're like, oh wait, who? And and she'd had success there. It's not like she hadn't won, but coming from a real mid-major, kind of low mid-major, and then just pops. I mean, bring some players, get some transfers. And man, they play a great style of ball, and they're beating a lot of players, including my alma mater. Unfortunately, that I'm I have been just big time impressed with JC. What is that fan base? Are they are they jumping on board, and and uh, have they been showing up for her? It feels like they're starting to jump on board. Yeah, you know, and and they're really getting behind them. And um, you know, it's been up and down with that program for a while. Obviously, that's why they made the change. Um, yeah, but you know, it's. <laughs> It's it's good to see. I know last night they didn't play very well, and, and their streak ended. But uh, they've been they've been kind of rising throughout the year. You kind of saw it early, like okay, they had some signs, but you know, we're kind of wondering how good they are and how's you getting there. It's like, oh man, this seems good, and um, the fans are starting to buy in, and she's won over a lot of people, and uh, it's been it's been fun to watch from afar. I I, I don't really cover the women's team um, much. I'll cover them in Kansas City, but. Um, you know they they've been really fun to watch from afar. All right, let's. Um, why don't we hang out in Kansas City? I'll get you some burn-ins in yeah. lieu of the paycheck for this uh, for this interview, and uh, <laughs> I'll take you uh, up we'll, on that. <laughs> we'll go have a good time, and uh, yeah, that's the only thing. They're not going to be at that gym anymore after this year. I think they're going to try to have the women's at the same nice uh, place. And I understand all that, and I'm all for it. But I love covering games over at that old dusty municipal i know you've been back and forth because first of all your mark's kicking us out of courtside you heard that 
We're going to be yeah, up in the rafters, yeah. and uh, that's okay. Nobody wants to hear that's us complain about that. Year, so. Yeah, that's <laughs> where COVID. I was the COVID year when Cade was here. So, <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Cade. Yeah, golly. For, I mean, yeah. that, one of the, he's a, one of the many, by the way, Dallas-Fort Worth players. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the amount yeah. of players over the past five years that have come out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, and they've always had great talent. But anyway, you've just you sent me down a whole nother path. Jacob, uh, <laughs> uh, great to visit with you, and, uh, yeah, and I'll, you, see you, I'll see you in Kansas City. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. There he goes. Jacob Unruh, who um, does a nice job for the Oklahoman.